Week number three of Balancing Act. We've been talking a little bit uh, the last couple weeks about what it's like to make sure we're doing what's important instead of what's just urgent. You know, so many times like the fires that happen in our life or what we give all our time to, then we look back on our life or we look back on our year and we're like, oh my gosh, I really wish I could have done this, but I spent all my time doing this. And so it is such a balancing act that we find ourselves in. The first week, and I encourage you to go back and check it out, the first week we talked about um, just being balanced in our unity with one another, being just in unity and, and making sure that we're walking in oneness like God has called us to. And then the second week we talked about intercessory prayer and how God has called us to be praying for each other, how we have this gift and this style, if you will, of prayer that God gave us, which is the ability to be able to pray on behalf of one another and for each other. And so check that out. That helps us balance the way that we're called to walk. And so today I want to talk to, to us and, uh, and I'm going to go after it today, so just kind of buckle in. I don't have three cute points for you. I don't have anything like that at all. I have like a machine gun of a message for you this morning. And, and man, I think for me, if you made me preach one sermon, if I, had to, if I could only preach one sermon style, it's probably this. Uh, it's, it's probably my life message sermon. If you boil down to, if you're going to say one thing to the world, what are you going to say? It's probably this. And so buckle up. Uh, I apologize in advance, and uh, I hope you can take notes and follow along, but I want to talk to you about the balance of being eternally minded. We're talking about being balanced and making sure we're, we're paying attention to what really matters instead of what's just getting loud, and so we got to be eternally minded. We have to live with eternity in mind. We're so many things drawing for our attention and pulling at our time and telling us what's important. And, you know, even marketing says, like, this is a must-see movie. This is the must-see of the year. Everybody's trying to tell you what you should be doing. You must drive this kind of car. You must upgrade. Everybody's trying to tell you what you should be doing. But there's one filter that we should be filtering everything through, and it is how does this affect eternity? I'm for entertainment, and I'm for socializing, and I'm for activities and hobbies and all those kinds of things. I'm not saying we need to just spend every single thing we do Bible thumping, but what I am saying is the scripture says that we are to number our days and spend them accordingly. We have a stewardship that we're called to with this life that we've been given. And I'll say it to you like this, where you put your time tips a scale. So if we're talking about balancing, you know, the scale, you see that the scale goes this way and the scale goes this way, and it's how you balance it. And every decision we make with our time tips a scale in a certain direction. So when all we do is live for ourselves and our kingdom and our agenda and our thing we're building and our thing that we care about, the scale begins to tip toward the way of worldliness and not the kingdom in the ways of God. Are you with me? The scripture says we're to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Our mission is God's kingdom to earth, God's kingdom to earth, and to earth look to look like heaven. Are you with me? That's the message. That's the mission. That's the balance we're talking about is being eternally minded that, that we live a life in such a way that's about his kingdom and his glory. And the balance has to be for his kingdom and not for our kingdom. Are you with me? So the scale is either going righteousness or unrighteousness. I put on my social media yesterday because I'm going to make a statement about this because I feel part of the reason that the kingdom of God is so poorly influential in the community and in our world and in the nation, the reason the church has such a weak voice is because we wet the bed when it's time to talk about things that need to be talked about. So I put on my social media, I just, I just feel that. 
in you people. <laughs> you pulled that one out of me. I believe that about this church. And I didn't say it in first service, but I believe that about this church, that you're not going to be fearful to talk about the things that need to get talked about. We're going to be a church unafraid to stand up in love when it's time to stand up for some stuff. Are you with me? I know we're in an area, and I, and I don't apologize for even saying this. I know we're in an area that likes to play church. I know we're in an area that's done things the same old way, the same old times for the same old things, and it's got us the same old junky results. But this, the scripture says that the spirit of God has empowered us to be a witness not to be a place of entertainment, not to be a place of making you feel good about some things. So the church needs to stop wetting the bed when it comes to things that matter. The scripture says we're the head and not the tail. But we do so much catching up from behind as a church. While every other organization and agenda and institution is leading, they have more passion, they have more purpose, they have more promise, they have more funding. Are you with me? And then we can't understand why culture is where it's at. Oh, I just, we sit around, I just can't believe that this with this and this with this. I can believe it. You know why? Because we've continued to let the scale tip that way on the altar of just making sure everyone's comfortable because they might leave us. Well, they're going to leave you anyway because they're shallow. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) This is my swan song. I love you all. I'll see you again another time, but uh, (laughs) it's great being your pastor. But I told you on social media I was going to talk about this thing that happened this week called cuties. Many of you have seen it. Go ahead and put the slide up there. I won't keep this up here for long because I realize families are in the room. But this is a movie that was released and, keep in mind, produced by Netflix, meaning funded, organized, put together by Netflix. And it's a movie about 11-year-olds, 11-year-olds who dress like that. And they dance provocatively. As a matter of fact, to tell you the truth, uh, I'll tell you this too, Facebook, I wanted to show a scene from the movie. Now, it's not, it's not pornographic in the sense of actual nudity. It's pornographic in the sense of what it does to your mind when you view it. Are you with me? But I wanted to show a clip of it, and the staff literally said, we, we cannot show that video. And I was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> My name's on the church sign. If I say it, no, I'm just kidding. Because, again, I'm irritated with the way that the church has let the world do whatever they want with passion. And then we, anyway, go ahead and take it off. It doesn't, I don't want to see it anymore. But here's the thing. It's this movie. At one point, Netflix, good night, lights out on me. I told you. (laughs) Like, shut them down. Shut them down. Shut them down. Can't stop me. Uh, So at one point, Netflix had a production crew. That said, hey, with those 11-year-old girls who are dressed like that, and I don't care what their age is. Some people have said, well, they weren't really 11. They're portraying 11. It doesn't matter. (laughs) They said, oh, we we need you to get a camera shot that goes like that. We need you to train them to dance like this and make this facial tone and and do this kind of thing. And so at some point, that was the, the production. I'm not even really here to talk about that. What I'm here to talk about is all of the Christians go, can you believe that? How has that gotten to that? I can't believe that the world has gotten to that kind of stuff. You know what? It's your fault. And it's my fault. And it's the church's fault. Do you want to know why it's our fault? Because we aren't as passionate about the things that we should be passionate about. We aren't eternally minded. We're spending all of our time on stupid things while influence goes its way over here. 
They're passionate. They got a plan. That has an agenda, and they're pushing it while we're over here saying things like, well, I'm in a season. Oh, you know, I just need some more time. And Instead of living and operating and walking in the fullness that God has called us to walk in for our communities. Are you with me? The number one book of all time is, of course, the Bible. But nonfiction book to the Bible is The Purpose Driven Life. And then all you weirdos would know that Harry Potter's number three. <laughs> you dorks. But anyway, now that's the most offensive thing I've said in the whole thing so far. You're not mad that I'm telling you we got to up the kingdom work here. You're like, I, I attacked Harry Potter. <laughs> Bible, Purpose Driven Life, written by Pastor Rick Warren, others. The number one question America is asking is what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What is this all about? Yeah. And statistically, the church is failing America to give them that answer. Not only the church, but us as believers, you personally, me personally, we're missing giving them the message. The world is crying out, what's my purpose? What's my identity? What am I here for? What am I assigned to be? And because we are lacking the ability to evangelize and reach people and share the good news, they're finding their identity in that kind of stuff. Somebody else has pulled them in and said, oh, we could do this and we could do that and we could get you to do that. So when you take a look at the world and you go, I can't believe it's gotten to this and I can't believe this and this and that, that's on us. Because they're asking the question and we're not giving them the answer. We're not stewarding our lives in a way to be able to step in and say, here's the good news. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. What did he say? He said, I've come to show you the way to live. And as Christ followers, we're supposed to do the same thing. Show up in our community and show up on the scene and say, look, this is how God's called us to live and you get to be a part of it. Yeah. Are you with me? We don't have, in my opinion, we don't have a government problem. We don't have a race problem. We don't have a gun control, a mental illness, a drug problem. What we have is an evangelism problem. Government is a problem, but... <laughs> The problem is evangelism and the good news of God would cover all those things. If the church was what it was supposed to be in position the way it's supposed to be and operating the way God's designed it to be, it would heal all of those areas. Government wouldn't matter. The Black Lives Matter movement wouldn't matter. The gun control issues wouldn't matter. None of those matter because they're all healed in, are you with me, the issue of the good news of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Now, obviously, I'm the first one to say black lives matter, but I'm saying the organization that's leading in a way that's not of the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Don't, don't get caught up on that. But I'm saying the message of the gospel, the good news of Christ heals all of those things. But we're not telling anybody. And it's our fault that the scale has tipped this way because we're so concerned with our bank account, our next house, our next car, our next school the kids are going to go to, our next promotion, all of our kingdom things instead of the kingdom of God things. So that's on us. We live like animals. We literally just consume and we look out for ourselves and we take for ourselves and we go about us and we say what we want to whoever we want. We do what we want to whoever we want. We, we literally live like animals. And Jesus' message is, deny yourself and take up your cross. I believe, like the scripture says, we must decrease so he can increase. 
It's not about our kingdom in our way. It's not about the way that we feel comfortable and our preferences. It's about Christ's preference in our lives. Are you with me? Uh, just think about Jesus looking down. Hey, God. You know, he's talking to his heavenly father. He's saying, hey, God the Father. Hey, we did it. We redeemed mankind. We did it. I went down and I shed my blood and I rose again from the grave. And now I'm up in heaven interceding on your right hand. We did it. Let's, let's take a look at how it's going 2,000 years later. Because remember, we promised that the gates of hell would not prevail. And I also said that I'm sending you the Holy Spirit who's going to be power and it's going to be a helper to you. It's like we've set up all the Christ followers with cheat codes. There's nothing that can stop them. Let's take a look at what they're doing. Oh, they're like, they're not even meeting in their own buildings. They're in the parking lot right now. God promises the gates of hell will not prevail and we're all in a season. When the kingdom of darkness is not in a season, they're still advancing. Their agenda is still going forward. Are you with me? And the devil laughs and laughs and laughs at us right now. We have everything we need to be the light and the salt and be what God has called us to be and to see the advancement of his kingdom. And we're like meeting in parking lots. We won't even go in our own buildings. Can I get him in today? And this isn't a political statement. I'm not up here trying to, trying to do a thing. And, and I believe in safety and taking things all serious. And we've done all the safe things. But I'm just saying, at what point did Christ do all that he did for us? And this is where we are 2,000 years later. The scale is all the way over here. Yeah. Are you with me? Amen. We don't have the right to get upset about things like that. I'm so mad. I'm repulsed. I can't believe that. Which, by the way, I'll say this. If you're patting yourself on the back because you canceled your Netflix, and you probably should, I'm not much of a boycotter because I feel like you'd have to boycott everything, <laughs> right? There'd be nothing left if we boycotted everything. Uh, but, but I think right now you have the opportunity to really punch something in the gut. And I also think when you cancel your Netflix, you have the ability to write in a comment about why you did it. That's probably a good example to take, a good spot to take a stand for the kingdom. Are you with me? And some of you are like, well, I still got some shows to finish. Well, if you paid for this month, you got 10 days left. So <laughs> you paid for the month. Hurry up. <laughs> but, but, that's a good opportunity. But listen, let me say this to you. If you're patting yourself on the back because you hashtag boycotted Netflix and you're still looking at pornography, it's the same. Yeah. I'm against pedophilia. I can't believe that trash. Hashtag cancel Netflix. But you're still looking at porn. It's the same. The degrading of women, it's all the same. Are you with me? Yeah. We don't have the right to act upset, to get all worked up about it, because here's how we've treated the body of Christ and the kingdom and our influence. Statistically, the church has never been more under-supported, under-prayed for, under-attended, under-funded, under-encouraged, and then we're so surprised when it's under attack. And I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking about the church in America. Yeah. Statistically, they say the average American Christian tithes about 3%. So the average. God's called to give a, a tithe or an offering even, even more. But statistically, they say about 3% is what comes in. Did you know that if 70% of the American church actually paid a tithe, do you know that the American church would have enough money to end world hunger? It's almost as if God had a really good plan to lead this world through the body of Christ. Are you with me? 
And we get so mad, that trash, I can't believe what the thing, well, it's our fault. We're not walking in the kingdom the way God's called us to walk in the kingdom. Can I get an amen? Uh, I wrote it down like this. Every habit has a harvest. Every single habit has a harvest. And we believe this lie that says, oh, I'll take a season, or right now I'm not going to focus on that, or right now I'm going to do this. And so we, we maybe put off the way God's called us to live or the passion in which we should walk and what he's called us to. So we, we justify it through seasons or excuses or whatever. Every habit or every, every habit has a harvest. So when you, when you put that off, it's, it's growing a harvest somewhere. It's growing a harvest. It's growing a harvest. So you start coming to church a little bit less. Then you stop serving. And you say, oh, I'm going to catch it online. Just remember, online is a supplement, not a substitute. You should be coming into the church as much as possible. Are you with me? As much as possible. I'm, I understand grace, COVID. You know, I understand concern. But when we keep creating habits, and I'm just, I'm just unloading on you because <laughs> I'm in church groups with all these pastors, and 20 years ago, we met on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Then you had small group and you had discipleship class. You had all the, and we keep lowering the bar, lowering the bar, lowering the bar. We make new habits for our people that are cru- producing a terrible harvest. Yeah. Our kids don't know the word. We don't know how to stand in the word. Are you with me? Yeah. We don't know how to reach communities. And we keep lowering the bar, lowering the bar, lowering the bar. Yeah. And then we say, oh, I'm outraged. Well, you're not outraged enough to actually do something about it. Ephesians 5.16, you've heard me say this many times, but it says we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. It says we, me, you, it's our job to redeem the times. We co-labor with God to make a difference in this world. You guys know the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. No. Why? Because we are called to redeem the times, but we do hide it. It isn't a huge part of our life. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. For what? So that you can be my witnesses. Be people who go and share. The Holy Spirit's given to us. We're empowered by a part of the Trinity. A God part of the Trinity has been given to you to empower you, to equip you to be what? A witness. So that the scale stays tipped in the right direction. I'm outraged, but we don't witness. I'm outraged, but we don't share the good news. I'm outraged, but we don't stand up and serve. Are you with me? We've got to keep the scales tipped. And God's saying, I've set you up to be able to do this. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. I'm kind of paraphrasing the last part of this. It says that, I'm not paraphrasing, but it's the last part of it. It says this, he that winneth souls is wise. The person who is a person who sets out to win souls is a wise person. My mentor always taught me whenever you read a scripture, you can read it in reverse. And so you could say it like this. He who doesn't win souls is a fool. He who is a person who gets up every single day and doesn't consider the lost, doesn't think about the hurting, doesn't think about God's kingdom, that's a foolish way to live. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we can't get all upset about this being out of balance and that being out of balance when we aren't a person who's pursuing, reaching, and seeking, and saving the lost. Can I get an amen? You still with me, Facebook? I hope you're with me. Give me, give me a heart there or a thumbs up or a kind emoji. <laughs> Stay away from your frequently used ones. <laughs> Statistically, the Barna Research Group says this. If we asked every non-believer to link hands, every non-believer in the world to link hands, they could stretch around the globe. Statistically, the Barna Research Group says that line grows 20 miles a day. 20 miles a day it grows at our current evangelism pace. 
So basically meaning at the success rate of the American church's current evangelism, our pace is way off. We're at an unsuccessful pace. We're at a losing pace. The line grows 20 miles away. day. Did you know that America used to be the nation that we sent missionaries out of? Of course, we still do. But we used to, as a Christian nation, send the missionaries from America out into the world. Send them into the world, send them into the world. Do you know that right now, America has found itself as the third largest mission field in the world? We are now the nation that is in third place for needing the most gospel preached to. We've fallen that far behind. Why? Because we've been about our kingdom instead of the kingdom, and the scale is tipped in the wrong direction, hasn't it? The balancing act matters. Are you with me? They say if all births and deaths stopped, almost, uh, if all births and deaths stopped, so nobody was born, nobody died, it would take the American church almost 100 years to reach every non-Christian with the gospel at our current evangelism pace. Why? Because our pace is so poor. Do you know what our pace is? The Barna Research Group again says that the average American Christian only witnesses or evangelizes to one person a year. One person a year is about the only time we share our faith. It's a losing pace. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, you heard me read it in the beginning. It talks about the salvation process and how if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and and this life change happens. But what we don't talk a lot about is verse 14, how it says this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Beautiful of the feet is a description of a lifestyle, a walking with God. How beautiful are the people who live a lifestyle of bringing the good news. Salvation is paid for and it's set up for us. But the scripture is saying there's a huge key component that goes to that. And that's our ability to be able to share that with people. And talk about it in the break room and on the golf course and at the shooting range. Whatever you're doing, you need to be there and you need to be talking about the good news. Are you with me? Because God says that's the beautiful way of living. Being a people who are about the gospel and his message. Can I get an amen? Jesus says in Luke chapter 19, 10, for the son of man, scripture says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. We are called to be Christ-like. The scripture says we're imitators of God. So what does that mean? It means that your assignment on earth is to be a person who seeks out and saves the lost. Not just on Sunday, not just the one time at small group, but I'm talking about when we wake up, our balancing act is that today I'm going to get up and I'm going to seek and save the lost. I'm going to seek and save the hurting because that stuff is happening because you know why it's happening? It's because somebody is getting up and they're seeking and they're, and they're saving, if you will, their message and their story and their agenda and their platform and their ideology. Yeah. And they're doing it with great passion. Are you with me? Yeah. How much more so should the church be getting up and doing it? Amen. So evangelism is described as this, the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Yes, a sermon preached is important, but just as much as personal witness, being able to share and speak of it and witness. It's zealous advocacy of a cause is what evangelism, the zealous advocacy of a cause. It's funny in the real world how much we're zealously advocating for things. A new restaurant comes up. Oh my gosh, bro, you've got to go there. 
the tacos. Amazing. You got to go. And you're zealously advocating for those tacos. Bro, did you see that movie? Oh, dude, go. You got to go. So good. Zealously advocating. But the one who died and rose again and saved you from your sins so you can spend eternity with him, we don't zealously advocate for? That ought to be something we talk about frequently. Can I get an amen? We got to get it right. And the devil sits back and just laughs and laughs and laughs. He knows he has no weapon of victory. He knows there's no, the only way that the enemy wins is if we allow it. There is no doctrine of defeat for Christians unless we forfeit. And we continue to forfeit and forfeit. He knows the crowd, the, the cards are stacked against him. He knows the gates of hell will not prevail. There's no, he knows there's nothing he can do except for we continue to forfeit and forfeit and forfeit. It's exhausting. It's actually like this. Church people, I'm going to talk about Christians for a minute because I can't stand them. So um, not you guys, other ones. <laughs> Drives me bananas that we do this all the time. It's, it's, we come into church. We come into church. Oh, 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 my gosh. Yes. Amen. Yes, Lord. I believe that. Oh, oh, mm, mm, love that. Love that. Amen. And then we go right back out. It's like a person going to the gym, being a part of a gym. This is what Christians are like. You go into a gym and you're like, oh, yes, mm, dumbbells. Oh, yes, mm, amen, mm, power in those dumbbells. I believe in that. Yeah, yeah. And then you get over to the bench press, like, oh, the bench press. Yes, yes, Lord. Mm, yes. Oh, oh, Lord. Bless you, bless you. And the treadmill, we walk, and you come into the gym and you go around everything. You talk about how much you believe in it and you live for it and you love it, but you don't do any of it and you walk right back out. The gym owner's like, yeah, he comes in here all the time, talks about how much he believes in it, and walks right back out. And is heaven looking down at us, watching us come into church every single week? Oh, Lord, yes. Oh, yes, power. You got power. Oh, save me. We walk right back out, and we do nothing. We share sermons online. You got to hear this. So good. And we just sit in our Christian couch. Got to hear this. Love this. So good. Don't do anything, though. Nothing. You're doing nothing. God said, I've numbered your days. Spend them accordingly. You got to hear this. And you're doing nothing with it. And we have things like love for a child comes in here. And you hear of traumatic abuse. Look, all all, all this stuff, you know. We're doing nothing. Well, well, you know, it's a season. It's a hard season. We're trying to do things. The enemy's not giving us grace for a hard season. The drug dealer's not slowing down in a hard season. Are you with me? But the church wants to, oh, we better, let's just, oh. I hear pastors say stupid stuff like, (laughs) well, we're just going to take our time because giving's good. You're going to pay for that stuff in heaven, pastor. Just because giving's good is your decision to keep your church closed? We say things like, well, I can't ensure your safety at this time, so we're going to stay closed until the new year. The disciples are like, hey, let's check in on the modern church that we started. Remember how we kicked off the church in the New Testament? Let's, like, let's take a look at how they're doing 2,000 years later. We've got pastors saying things like, we can't ensure your safety, so we're not going to meet. And they're like, ensure your safety? Every time we traveled to another town, we were followed with death threats, attacks on our life. 
Do you know how many times we found ourselves in jail and beaten and literally some boiled? And when they got done being boiled, they went out and wrote us the book of Revelation. And you can't ensure safety right now? Dude, I pray for you. Intercessory prayer for you. Why am I so annoyed with it? I'm annoyed with it because the real need and pain and hurt has not taken a break during coronavirus. And I'm not trying to get political. You're like, oh, you're using Trump speech. No, I'm not. If you think I'm just, the abuse is up, the neglect is up, the pain is up, all of it is up. The isolation is causing depression and suicidal thoughts. Are you with me? I just read a statistic this week from a dental association. That's how bad it is for me. They've seen a 45% increase in people whose teeth they've had to repair. 45% increase of people's teeth they had to repair because they grind their teeth during all of this right now. There's been a grinder. So when you say, oh, you're doing Trump talk. Listen, I don't care. I promise you, I do not care. But if you don't believe me that the pain is greater than it's ever been, then meet me in my office at 830 tomorrow and spend a week with me and sit in my meetings and take my phone calls. Because I promise you that's not Trump talk. The pain is real. Are you with me? It's not a political message. This is a gospel message. And people say, oh, I, oh we're going to... Anyway. <laughs> Simmer down now, preacher. I'm sweating a little bit. I'm not, I don't like sweating. <laughs> I got to get one of the big chairs that they sit in, you know, and then they don't work as hard. They just <laughs> preach from a chair. Don't they do that? I don't know. Everybody says, oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not... I'm not very good at speaking to people. And I get that. Maybe you're an introvert and, and uh, you know, I think it's noon. We should just take halftime and come back in 30 minutes. You guys good with that? Sure. We got popcorn to sell out there or something? No, can't share popcorn. Can't, can't give anything away. Say, oh, I, I, I can't, I don't talk very well. I'm not very good at sharing. My, and I get that. I get the introvert part of it. I do get that. But you got to remember, St. Francis says, preach Jesus, use words if necessary. I do believe zealous advocating. I do believe that does require words. But I also think you can just be a great example in your marriage. I think you can be a great example in just being loving in the break room. Like, try just being a kind person. Try not to make your Facebook so (laughs) hate-filled. Preach Jesus, use words if necessary. So yes, as much as it is about sharing the gospel, I think also it's just about being a good example for the kingdom. Are you with me? We all would love the idea of, oh, I'd love to wake up and save somebody from a burning building or pull them from the wreckage of a car crash. And the all-time best-selling movies are Avengers and hero stories. Why? Because our heart is drawn to that. But the truth is you can't plan showing up on a car crash scene and saving somebody from a burning building. You can't plan that, but you can get up every day and plan on, today I'm going to save somebody spiritually. Today, I'm going to pray for somebody. Today, I'm going to lay hands on somebody and pray for them that they might be healed. Why? Because the scripture says that you can. If we lay hands on the sick, now don't get weird. We've seen that on Christian television. Don't get all crazy about it. Hear about somebody who's got pain and someone's hurt. Hey, do you mind if I pray for you real quick? Let's join hands. Let's pray. And you could save them spiritually. You want to be a hero? Walk in the good news of God. Are you with me? Scripture says life is a vapor. It is such a vapor. It goes so quick. The scripture says, tomorrow is promised to no man. Most of the time we are eternally minded, it's too late. Most of the time it clicks in for us to actually be eternally minded, it's too late. It's what? It's on the deathbed. It's at the funeral. 
It's when the kids moved out of the house. You go, oh, I just wish I had two more years. Oh, I wish I would have done this different and that different. And it's too late. Life is a vapor. Tomorrow is promised to no man. We need to live tipping the scale toward the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Uh, scripture says this um, in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11. It says, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering toward the slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? The scripture is saying you need to live your life in a way that you are jumping in front of every person who's headed in the wrong direction. Of course, with love and with compassion. I'm not saying we all need to leave here and become bullhorn guy, just screaming, you're going to hell. Like we're not doing that. But we're rescuing and rescue missions are dirty and they're painful and they're risky and it takes great sacrifice to rescue somebody. Can I get an amen? And this scripture is saying that's what we do. We rescue them. We get in front of them. And then what else does the scripture say? Why? Because God does know our heart. And he knows what are our true intentions. So when we say, well, I'm in a season and I didn't know any better. No, we got to be eternally minded because God weighs our actions. And his call to us is that we reach people. Uh, I didn't get to say this in first service, but I get to say it now. All you trendy, and I'm, I'm, I'm not almost done in the sense of come up, but I'm almost done. I always mess that up. I'm like, I'm almost done. And then they come up. And then I got to tell jokes while they're playing. One of my, my irks, somebody's like, he's got a lot of them. Um, it's because winter's coming and I feel it. It's making me irritable. The trick, hey, good. Uh, the trendy Christian. Let me talk to you hipster Christians real quick. You guys are so slick. You guys, you guys are too cool for church because you, you got the new way of Jesus model. I mean, it's like, it's like Jesus called you and gave you the new way. That's how slick you are with God. And so trendy Christian is, is better than the institution of church. Uh, and obviously it's not an institution. This is the body of Christ living and moving and dwelling, right? But, they, but, they're, but they're bigger than that, right? So trendy Christian right now is, uh, oh, oh, we're for the one. And, and we're out on the street reaching people. And, and we don't do religiosity. And we, and we love the people. And the minute a tiny bit of persecution comes in, like, like right now, some things are going on that are causing, all of a sudden you've all flamed out and hid out. Like I'm saying, I don't even know where you are. Do you remember me? Remember we used to, <laughs> some of you are like, who is he talking about? <laughs> we use this big message about how we're for the one and we're for the hurting and we're for the thing. And as soon as, a little bit of being called to the rescuing act is called upon our life, we out. Are you with me? We share all the deep sermons about, and we share all the deep scriptures about love, love. God calls us to love, love at all. In the minute a little bit of call to action happens where you're called to a rescue mission, they gone. Are you with me? No, no, you're with me because you're not in the pastor world. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this. God knows your heart, and your actions. So when you know you need to make the phone call and check on somebody and you don't do it, you don't step in and pull the rescue, God's weighing that. And I'm not here to try to like bring guilt into your life, 
But I'm just trying to say that's how we got there, and that's how the scale is all the way over here. Is because we've been like, well, pastor will never know. I'm a small, small group, never know. No, but he knows and sees. And the scripture says when we get to heaven, we have to give an account for everything that we've done with our life. And I would just make sure that I'm on the right side of saying every decision I made was for the kingdom and for eternity. Can I get an amen? Jesus' plan to save the world, think about this, Jesus' plan to redeem mankind was to set you up to be witnesses into all the world to bring about his kingdom and glory. The Great Commission, go into the world and reach it and love it and seek and save it. He set us up. It's like an alley-oop. If you don't know what basketball is, it's where the one player throws it up right by the rim. The other one gets to dunk it in with the great advantage. That's what we got from God. The perfect alley-oop was sent for us, and we get to dunk it in, and we don't. Are you with me? We're the light of the world. That's what God is calling us. I'll close with this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says, Then Jesus went about to all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. That's what we see in the world today. Weary and scattered like people having no shepherd. And when he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. It truly is plentiful. But the laborers are few. And then he gives us this incredible prayer request. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's cool if I get a prayer request from John or Doug or somebody else. I think, oh, I'm honored to be able to pray for you. But heaven's prayer request saying, hey, do you, we got a prayer. Here's the thing that we need to be praying that laborers enter into the harvest field, that we be a people who the scale isn't so lopsided over here, but instead we're laboring for the kingdom and we're bringing the balance to the world that it needs to be. Are you with me? Do you want to honor heaven with a prayer request? Be praying for laborers. Become the laborers. Sign up to serve in the outreach center. Sign up to serve at Love for a Child. Sign up to serve at your church. Are you with me? Because it's, it's, it's allowing us to be what God's called us to be in the harvest field. And here's what I would say it's impossible for you to read scripture and not realize that Jesus's heart was for the lost soul, not for your prosperity, not for your blessing, not for the, to be right and to be a well-known, no, his heart is to seek and save the lost and reach. Are you with me? Amen. Now those things all come, seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness and all those we had, we know all that stuff, but it's when we seek first and we live a kingdom-minded lifestyle, which is an eternally-minded lifestyle that God's blessing come. Here's what I don't want to do. Martin Luther King Jr. said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. I hope your community is not hurting and your neighbor is not hurting and your coworkers not working or hurting and something is going on big in their life and you're just not saying anything. And then they find out later, wait, what? You had the good news? Wait, what? You went through this too and you didn't say anything to me and you had experienced it and you didn't reach out to me? The silence of us to our world, to our nation, to our communities, the silence of church needs to come to an end. Can I get an amen? It's time for us to start stepping up and stepping out. And I know people say, oh, with the times and the political. And listen, the further we go into this thing, the more political the church is going to have to get. And I'm not talking about left and right. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, the Clintons, the Obamas, Ronald McDonald. Have you seen the video of the, who cares? I don't care. 
Clinton, Obama, Ronald McDonald. Some of you are like, Ronald McDonald, I didn't see that video. Send me that link. What did he do? Listen, listen. It doesn't change anything. Who cares what the dark world, blah, 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 blah. Guess what your mission is? The same. Seek and save the lost. Reach people with the good news of God. And it's important for us to be educated and understand the times that we live in. I get it. But all it should do is still cause you to get up and do the same thing you do every single day, which is seek and save the lost like Christ called us to do. Can I get an amen? Half time. All right, come back and we'll go another hour. No, I'm just kidding. But this is it. It's time. And so when I say we're going to get more political, what I'm saying is the world is set to be in an order. God created us. He's got a plan for us and a purpose for us. And so God kind of living comes with a certain kind of standards. Am I right? And the church, the body of Christ is called to zealously advocate those values not, hear me, for a political party, but for the kingdom of God. So we got to get a little bit thicker skin, church, when it comes time to standing up for things that really matter. And at the same time, you need to get active. We got too many keyboard crusaders. And then that's it. And the devil's like, ah, they think they just made a difference. They updated their Facebook. Ah. And their neighbors are beating their kids and strung out on drugs. But you're patting yourself on the back because you had a good status update. <laughs> I got to be done. <clears throat> Let me pray for you and we'll get out of here. Can somebody lead me out of here uh, in my car? Someone take me out first. <laughs> Bullers, come with me. <clears throat> All right, let me pray. Please hear me. Honestly, I'm playing a little bit, but please hear me. Honestly. I'm not a political, I hope that landed well. Maybe you need to go back and listen to it again, but I'm not trying to make political statements or even use language of left or right or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm not that at all. Please hear my heart. The kingdom and God's ways are what we protect and what we advance. Does that make sense? But I think the church gets so scared and cautious and neutered by just not wanting to say the wrong thing. Okay? All right, let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and for your ways and how you love us. God, we know you have a great plan for us. We know you have a purpose and a way for us to walk. And God, I pray that you just give us the boldness to get active, to start tipping the scales into your kingdom ways and, 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 and Lord, walking in your righteousness. Lord, I pray that we not be distracted by all the distractions of the world. But God, instead, we wake up and ask what you would call us to walk in every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.